Hello everyone, and welcome to a That Time When special episode. Uh, this is not our usual episode, where normally uh, you would be listening to us, this comedy history podcast talking about strange and unusual things happening in history. But this special episode is a little bit different. So, in case you're a first-time listener, I am Barnaby King, and I am joined, as ever, by my co-host, Amelia Edwards. Hello! Hello! So, on this special episode, we want to sort of talk about things that... How would you put it? Like... Things that people still believe, and they probably shouldn't. Mm. Things that can be, I guess, a little bit annoying... If you consider that, like, oh, everyone believes such and such happened, even though it wasn't really like that. Of or, course. Uh, like uh, witch trials and, you know, burning at the stake and that. And Oh, man. We should do another one on witch trials we, at some We point. really should. I yes. think instead of, like, teasing it like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, you've got to tease it. you got to tease it. Um, everyone loves the teasing. <laughs> I guess, like... Uh, when you know that something's not necessarily true, it can be really, really irritating. It gets under your skin and you want to correct people. Mm. And today I am going to correct you. So <laughs> you've got to sit still and you've got to listen. Yeah. So it, it took us a while to kind of come up with a name for these special episodes because it, it's easy to just sort of call these things. and I mean, I have called them myths. Mm-hmm. But, of course, we're not speaking as a voice of absolute truth. Mm-hmm. That should always be repeated. Yeah. Um, I guess <laughs> I guess the way I see it is, like, hopefully we'll bring some new ideas into your yeah. life about this thing that, I don't know, if you're not a historian or you aren't a historian of a particular era, mm. then it's quite normal to hear something about something that's happened and, like, form a set opinion about it. Yeah. So hopefully we can bring you some new ideas. Yeah. And I'm hoping that this week, uh, Amelia can bring us some new ideas that are pleasant, family-friendly discussions uh, involving nothing nothing naughty whatsoever. Yes, absolutely. This is a clean podcast. Uh, we bleep the f***. Um, and yes, so what are we talking about this week? Chastity belts. Well... <sighs> I just said this is going to be a family-friendly episode, and there you go, bringing the old chastity belts back I into know, it. I know, I <laughs> know. Okay, so chastity belts, right. Okay, I don't know what the sort of popular idea of this is, because so when you, when you say that, yeah. there's two things I think of. Okay, go on. There's people who are into, you know... What, BDSM? Yes. Yeah, no, I'm not talking about that one. Okay, okay. The other one that I was thinking was uh, the Mel Brooks film, Robin Hood Men in Tights. That is the one I'm talking about, Right, because Maid Marian has a chastity belt. She does indeed. And it has a big old padlock on it. It has a massive padlock (laughs) on it. And there's a lot of jokes about trying to open that padlock Mm. with jackhammers, etc. So so to my understanding... Uh, as a lay person, mm-hmm. the chastity belt was a thing that was wore or like sort of forced onto particularly women, but I think no I th- women, women. It, it is just women. It's just okay. women. Um, forced onto women to make sure that you know they don't stray from their husbands or lose their virginity before they're married. So, so that's what I thought. Okay. Actually, the the original myth of chastity belts is just about married women. Okay. Yeah. Which, yeah, I guess the Maid Marian thing made me think that it's yeah. like 
all highborn ladies. Yeah, there is a there's a really filthy joke um, about King Arthur getting Guinevere to wear a chastity belt. I'm not sure I should repeat it on here because it is truly filthy. Okay. <laughs> should I should I tell you the joke and then we can see and if necessary <laughs> I'll just like cut this out. Okay. So the joke is that King Arthur Okay, no, I think that's a bit gross. Let's leave that out. <laughs> well, okay, fair enough. Yeah, it is a bit. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the idea behind wearing chastity belts mm. was that if a knight was going on crusade, so yeah. a long way away, uh, he might not trust his wife, so he would get her to wear a chastity belt. Mm. It does come with a massive lock on the side. <laughs> that's not a joke. Really? That's real. Oh, wow. Um And... He'll take the key with him, yeah. and then when he comes back from Crusade, he'll be able to unlock the chastity belt. Excellent. Okay. I, I guess this is kind of playing into that idea that we've talked about a bit already on the podcast about how women in the medieval period were like, you know, not to be trusted because they're super horny all the time. Yeah, absolutely. It yeah. is partly that. Um, now, the thing... Okay, but before I get into things, I'm going to give you the proof about chastity belts existing nice okay so there are examples you have one here (laughs) (laughs) um so there are examples of chastity belts in museums Mm -hmm. for example uh, the musee de cluny owns one that belonged to catherine de medici Mm -hmm. who was the queen of france one that she wore or did she just own it she wore okay Um, she didn't just like have it on a sideboard as like a a conversation starter (laughs) oh could you imagine (laughs) i think that would be great that would actually walk in and there's like a metal pair of underpants just on the mantle over fire and it's like what's that it's like well funny you should ask (laughs) (laughs) that's my chastity belt um i use it as a conversation (laughs) starter and i hit my suitors around the head with it (laughs) That's how it works as a chastity belt. That's my chastity belt. I am not to be trusted. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So there was also another one, which is said to have been worn by Anne of Austria. Um, Now, the design of these these, uh, varies. Mm -hmm. Um, So they can be like the terrifying, massive, entirely metal ones. Right. The majority of them are supposed to have been worn sort of on a leather or velvet waistband. Okay. Which, well, like a belt. Yeah, so right. like the the metal bit goes like over your genitals, right? Like with your with like the the jagged holes, Ew. um, uh, like to allow yes excess, but not <laughs> not egress, not egress, but not ingress. Um, I know. Yeah. Um, and and uh, yeah, but one the one worn by Anne of Austria is a hinged pair of plates attached by a metal waistband. Okay, so is this metal to be worn on bare skin? No, I was going to say because that's going to chafe. Yeah. Now this was the thing that always got me when I was younger. Like yeah. I'd heard about this thing, and I just couldn't get the idea of what it would be like to wear it like out of my head in just mm. terms of like how would that work? How would you clean yourself? How would you clean yourself? You'd how would rust. you clean anything? It would rust. You'd it be would like be the Tin really Man in Wizard of Oz. Unhygienic. Yeah. Like it. Like the whole thing is just super gross. Mm. Um. So allegedly, what actually happened was that there was padding between the skin and the metal but in order to remove the padding you had to unlock the whole thing anyway right yeah which really does away with the point of the 
chastity belt i mean yeah and it it won't even really help the chafing because if you're wearing like thick padding that's gonna get sweaty you're gonna get a nappy rash doing that well i mean um as 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 a lady Mm -hmm. uh it it is it is doable like but not for very long (laughs) (laughs) well that's that's what i mean like i'm I'm thinking more about the extended period of time ah right no no they're saying like you change it daily but then, like, what's the point of, like, the there husband n- taking okay. the key? There, there's no point. It doesn't work out. It doesn't okay, work out. cool. Um, okay, so the first drawing of a chastity belt is actually from a German military engineer. What? <laughs> Did it have a gun attached or something? It does not. Um, the German military engineer is called Konrad Kiesa, and he Good did name. this drawing in 1405. Oh, Jesus. Okay. So, listeners, if I can describe to you what I'm seeing right now, it's a sketch of a sort of uh, a looped metal belt Mm -hmm. with two, I mean, it it, it kind of just looks like straps straddling around the buttocks. It kind of looks like a pair of balls. Uh, (laughs) And in the middle, there's a sort of... It's a mesh. Pear pear (laughs) colander. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, yeah. And And then the key is here. Ah, yes. So, so you can see how that would work. Um, so these are our proofs that these things exist. Right. Okay. Now, I, I so I've got a few problems with this. Yeah. And I don't know if you can help me with any of them. My major one is the key and lock system. Okay. Because as far as I'm aware, like locks years ago, we're talking about, mm-hmm. like centuries ago, were quite big. Yes. And keys were quite big. They weren't sort of intricate little things that we have nowadays. No. So I'm pretty sure you probably could pick it fairly easily. Like I- I've seen some I've seen some descriptions where a, a key sort of of this period is more like just a lever. Yeah. Oh yes, you would have been it. Like uh, there's no there's no denying it. You could pick these. Right. Maybe that's how they cleaned it. <laughs> well, yes, but that would still remove the entire purpose of it. But it could it. just be a symbolic gesture. <laughs> you take it off, have all your various affairs, put the chastity belt back on, your husband comes back from crusade, and you're like, darling, I have remained pure. Um, <laughs> Ignore the men I have <laughs> hidden in my cupboard. Okay, so something you haven't considered, though, wouldn't it be really easy to make a copy of one of those keys? Yes, actually, that's that's also a very good point, yeah. Um by the sixteen hundred, by the sixteenth century, um, people did a lot of illustrations of people in chastity belts right. and like uh, comic illustrations around the concept of chastity belts. Mm. Um, and typically, the scene would look like this: a husband, often older, mm. is leaving on a journey. Yep. His wife is pictured, yeah, often partially naked, mm. wearing her chastity belt. Mm-hmm. And somewhere in the picture, her lover is already waiting (laughs) for the husband to leave with a copy of the belt's key in his hand. Amazing. Here is a picture. Oh, brilliant. So literally, he's hiding behind the bed. There's two of them there hiding. I guess one of them's his servant or something. Either that or she's got a lot of gentleman callers with a lot of keys, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Well, they just have one key. They pass it around. Oh, no. They're pretty considerate in that regards. They've got a rotor. They've got a Google calendar. Okay. <laughs> Make sure that they, you know, they're, they're there at their allocated time. Well, I mean, this guy's turned up early. Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know. They could have prearranged it. I suppose so. Yeah. I mean, celebrate the husband leaving with a big bang. 
<laughs> okay, so you say these are comic illustrations. Yes. So if our main evidence for the sort of existence and use of these chastity belts are just kind of schematics for building them... Mm. Do you think that they would have actually been used in all seriousness or are they just tools for jokes? Well, okay, let's go back to Chiesa Mm. writing in 1405. Mm -hmm. Um, So Chiesa, um, okay, his book is one of those ones, you know when we talked about the uh, German husband fighting? The Fechtbuch. The Fechtbuch. Yeah. And I was like, maybe it's a joke. Yeah. Uh, Chiesa's one of those people. Ah, I see. So Chiesa's writing was often comical as well as being serious. Mm-hmm. Um, the book that he wrote, that he included that illustration in, yeah. um, also included several fart jokes. <laughs> of course. And also, What is it with medieval people and farts? Oh my God, fart jokes are hilarious. <laughs> medieval fart jokes are the best, though. They are actually really funny. I mean, Chaucer... I know Chaucer had a big thing about fart jokes. Well, we've got Chaucer, we've got Barringer of the Long Arse, of course. Oh, God, you know, we have to do an episode or like a short episode or something about Berenger of the Long Arse. Oh, my gosh. Just the medieval idea that women's vaginas are like beards and that's hilarious <laughs> just stretches on and on like so many people make that reference and i'm like no one talks about that now <laughs> no one talks about quite how into uh, the hilarity of vaginas <laughs> yeah, medieval right. people were. <laughs> i mean we can even go back to shakespeare yeah you, you've told me before that one of Shakespeare's plays, in sort of slang terms, is incredibly dirty in its title. <laughs> oh, yeah. So nothing in Shakespeare's day was a pun, uh, meaning vagina. Uh, so because much there's th- nothing down there, you get it? <laughs> so much ado about nothing can't mean a lot of fuss about pussy. <laughs> oh, that's gross when you say it like that. I was going to say much ado about vag. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but it makes more sense with my saying of it. Like, I know. Because it's, it is supposed to be about, you know, the relationships and sex and stuff. Yeah, I know, but mine's funnier. I know. Uh- <laughs> All right, then. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, okay, so also in Chiesa's book, there were several objects that could make the bearer invisible. <laughs> and you didn't have to lock up anyone's genitals to do it. No, you didn't. <laughs> Okay, so, how does he purport to make someone invisible? I have no idea. <laughs> like, it's just, I don't know, you hold this thing and you become invisible. Like, it's a joke. It's like, yeah. it's not meant to be taken is, seriously. Is it just like, it's a box and it's like, hide in the box, you are invisible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be great. I don't know, I need to find this guy's book because oh, it sounds sound, like a riot. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, so in any case, while it's possible that he's seriously showing you how to make a chastity belt it's also possible that it's just like another joke yeah like because people thought the chastity belts were hilarious maybe maybe that is a thing for why there are like actual schematics for making them maybe it was for like theater troops oh in this case although i agree that could be an mm. answer in this case uh case is the one who made the schematic yeah all of the rest of them are just real chastity belts that people have got mm. that museums have got oh i see yes yeah but there's an issue with them too. Okay. They're probably fakes. Oh, okay. Right. Um, 
They were probably made in the 18th and 19th centuries. Right. Because people were... Really- <laughs> can, I, can, I, can I have a guess? Yeah, go on. Can I have a guess? Yeah. Were people getting a bit prim and fussy about things and kind of wanted to go, ah, look how good these people were from many centuries ago being all chaste and virtuous? Um... Not necessarily. Okay, no, fair enough. Uh, I think the suggestion that I've seen made by Albrecht Klaassen, who's a professor in the University of Arizona's German Studies Department mm-hmm. and an expert on chastity belts. Wow, what a thing to be an expert in. I know. Well, he was like, you know what? Like, I, I saw so many articles about him, and as far as I can tell, he kind of went, you know what? I feel like I can clear up this myth real easy. Yeah. And then he did. Oh, fair so, enough. So, you know, then. good for him. Yeah. Uh, so he says that basically people are always obsessed with the idea of sex. Well, yeah. Um, and it's really easy to rag on the Middle Ages for being bad about gender relations. Right. Okay. So if you're like a kind of kinky turn of mind, I guess, mm. and you're living in the 17 to 1800s, Yeah. then maybe what you can do is like to talk, to get to enact your sexuality is to pretend that you're creating these um, right. like replicas of something that's medieval. So then of course it's fine. It's yeah, it's historical. It's historical. <laughs> um, but also like, Okay, I'm going to show you one of these fakes. Right. Uh, They've pointed out it's got a little heart on the front. Oh, my God. And the the thing that you poop through is, like, in the shape of a little flower. Yeah, it... it, Yeah. Okay, that is very much... That, that's just silly. It's I mean, just I'm... silly, and it, and it doesn't work as... It wouldn't, it wouldn't fit anyone. No. Either. How are you meant to wear that? Oh, it goes on a belt around the outsides. So that's like the front and back. Right. But in terms of looking at it like where the hinge is, that doesn't work. No. No, it really doesn't. No. Whose body like goes to a point like that? Apparently Anne of Austria. (laughs) I think she should go to the doctor. (laughs) That's a bit late now. (laughs) Well, yes. Um, So, yeah, so... I'll put up the pictures that I've used in this episode on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, as far as we can tell, medieval chastity belts were just kind of like, at first they were actually a theological idea. Right. Uh, so up until the 1100s, uh, they get used as metaphors mm. for the idea of purity and fidelity. Okay. Like, um, you get things saying things like virgins, uh, you know, lock up your souls and your chastity. And right. then you end okay. up with chastity belts. Okay. So rather than like an actual practical thing, it's more of just a showing how holy you are. Yeah. Right. Okay. That makes sense. And then after that, you get into like the higher middle ages and getting, and men getting super fixated on the idea of being cuckolded. Mm. Like, well, there was no DNA testing. There was no DNA (laughs) testing. And also there's a really common joke that's done in Chaucer and it was almost done in Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. Um, which is, you know, a young, beautiful woman marries an old and ugly man. Right. And so she cheats on him, obviously, because like, that's how the joke works. Like that joke story is like that. Do Do you think this is because there were lots of incidences of this sort of thing because of young, attractive girls getting married off to 
older men who are quite powerful, but, you know, quite past it. I imagine it's either that there were lots of incidences of that, mm-hmm. or it's that there were lots of young men who were feeling frustrated at the fact that these young women are getting married to older right, guys. yeah. So, like, it's a fantasy. Right, I see. But it's one that allows... Um, the young man in the story is always, like, kind of witty and clever. Yeah. And the young woman's always wittier and cleverer, so it kind of, like, yeah. allows for a joke situation that allows young people um, in lust, yeah. uh, like, the final say over age. Yeah. And power, I guess. Okay. Right. That makes sense, then. Mm. So we're looking at a theological idea becomes a bit of a bawdy joke. Yeah. And then just kind of slides right into kink. Yeah, I think that's exactly what's happened here. Right, okay. But also, I really don't think anyone ever wore one. <laughs> but the problem is that now, when people look back at it, they there is a tendency to go, oh, well, medieval people were just awful. Yeah. Yeah, There, there is definitely that tendency. And I think if we've learned anything looking at medieval history... What we generally learn is that people were pretty similar to how they are now. Oh, yeah. Like, medieval people like jokes. Mm-hmm. They like fart jokes an awful yeah. lot. Um, they like lowest common denominator humour. They like lowest common denominator <laughs> humour. Uh, we know that when people went on pilgrimage, they used to have wild times. So mm. basically, they like to go on on um, holiday and get drunk. And gap yar. Uh, <laughs> I'm on pilgrimage. <laughs> Um, I love I'm the, so goddamn holy. I love the pilgrims were a bit older, though. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I'm bringing back the Gap Yard character. <laughs> they like to get drunk. They like to have a good time. Mm-hmm. Like, people often had sex outside of wedlock as well. Like, if mm. you're talking about, you know, the common people, which is most people. Yeah. I mean, that's always a thing as well. Like, I maybe this is a topic for another time, but it, it came up recently because... Uh, I was reading a BBC News article about how there are still places in this country that do virginity testing. Oh my God, okay. And like offer hymen reconstructive surgery. I wonder if that's becoming more of a thing. I don't know. But like, it it kind of strikes my mind as like, if you are a common person Mm -hmm. in the Middle Ages, Mm -hmm. who's going to know if you've had sex? Well, okay, also... um... I've seen some historian quoted actually in a footnote on in the book The French Lieutenant's Woman. Yeah. Um, which suggests that in the 1700s at least, which mm-hmm. is not super different in the countryside to yeah, any other yeah. previous time. They're only just sort of getting industrialised. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, the suggestion is that the majority of marriages actually happened because a girl got pregnant. Ah. So... Pitchfork wedding. <laughs> not necessarily, but kind of like that's the moment where you're like, okay, so that's all done. <laughs> He's the one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> He's so... fertile as hell. <laughs> well, it's a good way of knowing. I mean, yeah, if, if one of your primary concerns for marriage is offspring, mm-hmm. because if you're, if you're not like of a noble family you're not doing it for like political reasons or anything like that then yeah you want a fertile partner so yeah it's, it actually it sleeping, makes a lot sleeping of sense. around makes a lot of sense and then you find the one who can get you pregnant yeah. and then you get married to him yeah sorted it's surprisingly <laughs> practical <laughs> as people so often are yeah that's true i mean i was only talking on the last bonus episode 
uh, about the Vikings and how pragmatic and practical they were. Mm-hmm. And, and talking about impractical things, mm-hmm. chastity belts. Yes. Definitely impractical. Yeah. No one's going to wear that. Um, and can you imagine if they tried to get, for example, Eleanor of Aquitaine into a chastity belt? She would not have had it. No, that, that, that would have been an operation that would have had a body count. Yeah. And I think a lot of women would be the same way. Mm. Medieval women weren't necessarily as weak and timid as we tend to assume. I think we'll talk about some more of them later on. Yeah, fair enough. Mm. So I think it might be time to wrap things up. I think so. Well, thank you very much for telling me all about chastity belts. You're welcome. And how people are basically bores who love fart jokes. Yes, they are. Well, thank you very much for listening to this special little episode of That Time When. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter at That Time When 4, uh, if you give us a little mention at us in the comments, then we'll give you a little shout out on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have any suggestions for any proper episodes, then you can email us at ttwpod at gmail.com. And thank you to Kevin McLeod for our theme tune and any other music that's used in the show. And we'll see you later. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye.